part two of my message, Holy, Holy, Holy. And today it's entitled, Do We See God? And I believe that Holy, Holy, Holy reverberates throughout heaven as God is worshipped perpetually in the throne room of heaven. So can we see God? We see Christ. We see Christ in the scriptures. We see the story of Christ. We see his death. We see his resurrection. What do we see about God? Sometimes what we see about God is a fearful spirit because we know that God corrects. Jesus loves and forgives. And God was the one who corrected them of their misdoings. And uh, sometimes the penalty was great for what they did. But I want us to think about this today because all of heaven is full of worship. And we need to have that kind of worship in the church. We need that kind of worship in our home, in our own personal life. The, the holiness of God is just not seen in our earth today. And every day that we live, we come closer to those rejecting the holiness of God. And today, churches across the land don't always think or meditate upon the holiness of God. And when we think about the holiness of God, we, we think about the fear of God. We think about the punishment that God gave to Israel. But God is a good God, and God sent his son that, he, that, that punishment could be averted if we come to Christ and if we ask forgiveness of our sins. So today the question is, do we see God? We see him in the elements. We see him in the mountains. We see him in the desert. We see him in all creation and especially look at beside you. See, that's creation. That's the creation of God. No, no, nothing. Nothing could have formed humanity except God. And so God is at work. And I want to, this is just like a little lesson today. I want to tell you, like John 1.18 and 1 John 5.7 says, No man has seen God at any time. That's what the Word of God says. So when I preach this sermon, somebody's going to say, Well, no man has seen God. But I want to show you in Scripture that many have seen God. Now, what does that mean? What that means is that no man has seen the power of the glory of God. They've seen the figment of of their imagination. They've seen his presence. They've seen what they thought was God. Moses saw his hinder parts. And uh, we're going to see in the lesson today various ones that saw God in the scriptures. There's about 42, 44 people that have saw God, but they have not saw him in the splendor of the righteousness and the holiness of who he is because they cannot attain unto it. You know, sometimes if you've ever had a spiritual revelation of God, it it becomes a little fearful because the power of God is overwhelming. So I want to just clarify that today when I say, do we see God? I don't want somebody to go away and say, well, does she know that no man has seen God? No man has seen God in the fullness of his power, in the fullness of his strength. No man has seen that. We will not be able to see that until we are in our resurrected bodies and in the throne room of heaven. Then we will see him 
in the fullness of his glory. Now, I want to show you the scripture in 1 Timothy 6.15 is what I base this thought that I just gave you. It says there, which is in his times, we read it in the bulletin today, he will show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is when he's going to reveal himself. It says, who hath only immortality. He dwells in the light which no man can approach unto. So you see the power and the majestic of his glory. No man has seen that. They've seen the images of God. They've had revelation from God. They haven't seen him in the fullness of his glory. The scripture says they cannot attain, they cannot approach unto him. They cannot dwell in the light. No man has seen nor can see to whom the honor and the power of God is everlasting. Amen. So, you know, sometimes scripture says one thing and then we have to we have to search it out to see what the direct meaning is. So there are those that have had revelation of God. There are those that have visions because we're going to talk about that today from Isaiah chapter 6, first verse 1. This is Isaiah, and he had gone to a funeral of one of the leaders, and then he had a revelation of God. And the scripture says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The glory of God filled the temple. And the seraphims, these are the angelic beings, and they cried one to another, and they said, Holy, holy, holy. You know, uh, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Let's just meditate on that a minute. The whole earth right now, right here in this place is filled with his glory. We cannot comprehend the fullness of his glory. But we can comprehend the fact that he is God He is supreme, he is holy, he is righteous, and he is revealing himself to ordinary people. You know, Abraham, how many know, if you know the story of Abraham, you know that Abraham sinned. But God was gracious to forgive him. And as we look at the scriptures and we see the ordinary people that God spoke to, I hope that it will just cause you to be inspired that God will speak to ordinary people. He will speak to anyone who has a mind to search for him and seek for him with all their heart. He will reveal himself to them. So verse 5 of uh, Isaiah 1 says, Then Isaiah said, and this is the season of the Lent is beginning this week, the posing of the ashes and all of the things that come with the suffering of Christ and the revelation of of his resurrection, he says, and Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is the revelation that the church of Jesus Christ at large needs to receive, that we dwell in a generation of unclean lips, And we need to see our undoneness and we need to call for his righteousness and his holiness to be revealed in the church and the church is us. We want him to be revealed in us. 
And Isaiah had that revelation because the power of God was so strong. He saw what he thought he saw, and he said, I saw him sitting upon his throne. And church, how long has it been since the church of Jesus Christ at large has had a revelation of God? We need a revelation of God. We need him to speak to us. We need him to touch us. We need to feel his power and his presence in his house. We need to feel it in our own life, in our own families. We need to know that no matter the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations, God is still there because his glory is filling all the earth. And sometimes we get into difficult situations and crisis and hardships and things, and things are overwhelming us, but we forget that he dwells in the earth. He dwells in the heavens and he dwells in the earth, and the glory of God can be revealed at any one moment in our life. It can be in a serious moment. It can be in a happy moment. It can be in a worshipful moment. But God wants to reveal himself in a supernatural way. The first thing he did was send Jesus. That was a supernatural event that Christ could die on the cross, go to the grave, and rise triumphant from the grave in resurrection power. God has revealed himself to humanity in Christ. But so much more, he reveals himself to us daily where we live, what we do, how we grow. And God is looking for us to see our need of him. Sometimes we don't know we need him until there's a crisis. But we need him. We need him in all circumstances of our life. (laughs) God has revealed himself to Isaiah, and Isaiah saw him high and lifted up. It's important that we recognize that God is high and he is lifted up. He is the high potentate. There's nobody higher than him. There might be organizations that have a potentate in them, but that is not the potentate of heaven. There is none higher than our God. (coughs) He revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham was called the friend of God. How would you like to be called the friend of God? How would you like for him to you just on your prayer bones and you're just praying and thanking God for his goodness and all of a sudden there's a revelation of his presence and his power and his glory that just touches you and you sense the friendship that you can have with God. Through Christ we can have that kind of friendship. And Abraham was one that was visited by God several times. Abraham saw him face to face, not in the fullness of his glory, but he saw him face to face. And Abraham was known as the friend of God. Did he, Was he perfect? No. Did he make mistakes? Yes, very bad mistakes. But God forgave him. Isn't the cleansing, forgiving power of God awesome? He sets us, he, he forgives us and cleans the slate and helps us to be more than we could ever be in ourselves. If you follow Abraham in Scripture, you'll find out that He disobeyed several times, and he had to be corrected, but he was a friend of God. God was merciful. God is merciful to us. Do you know that, church? He is so merciful to us. And God saw that humanity was going to need a work of grace. (laughs) Do I get an amen? God saw that humanity was going to need a work of grace. God himself was graceful to us when he sent Jesus. 
Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11, and 13. We read it in our bulletin today. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil. How many times when something goes wrong, where does our thoughts go? God is not evil. His thoughts are peace. Well, you say, how can he be peaceful in this storm? Well, because he's God. And all things are possible in God. And he can give us peace in the midst of a storm. I heard a song the other day. I'm nagging Julie to get it. It's something about peace. God is a harbor in the midst of a storm. Because we are in the midst of our storm. Our country is in the midst of a storm. And the storm is raging, church. Even, even as we see the news and we see these things, we know that the enemy is at work in our country. So the Bible says that the Lord has thoughts of peace to us, not, not of evil. And he wants to give us an expected end. Who knows what that expected end is? It's not tomorrow. It's eternity. It's, it's eternal life. That's our expected end. You know, if God is gracious to us and he gives us a long life, we still have an expected end. We have eternity with Christ. And we, sh- we should be saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, you are, you were, you always will be, you are holy. But Christianity is going on with no thoughts of the holiness and the righteousness of God and the power of God and the revelation of who God is and what God wants from his church. He says he wants to give us an expected end. Verse 12 says, Then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You know what? You can do the most horriblest thing. And then you can pray and ask forgiveness and mean it and be sincere and call on him and he will hearken unto you. He may correct you. He may not hearken with warm, fuzzy feelings. He may hearken and say, this is what I want you to do. But he will hearken unto you and he will help us. And it says, and ye shall seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. And that's what God is doing to our nation today. He's wanting our nation to seek for him with all their heart. And yet our nation is going the opposite direction. But Christianity, if we understand that the time is upon us, that God is revealing himself in supernatural ways, and through these things that are going on, then it's time for us to lift up our eyes and look for our redemption draweth nigh. The heart of Christianity is filled with so many things. There's so many responsibilities today, and especially when you get past 75. You know, you pay your insurance, and then here comes something else in the mail from the insurance, and you wonder, did I pay that? And so you're, you're looking at that, and then the next day something else comes in. And, you know, the older that you get, the more difficult things become. But the better you become in Christ if you know him as your personal Savior. So our life is filled with so many things, and the, and the older we get, the more responsibilities harass us. Or maybe I should say me. You get harassed by those things, you know. There's wants, there's needs. 
there's worldliness. Sometimes you're caught up in worldliness. You don't even know it until something comes out of your mouth that shouldn't. Or until you find yourself someplace you shouldn't be. Or you're partaking of something you shouldn't partake of. And then you recognize that you slip from holiness into worldliness. Thank God we have a God that we can go to. Have we ever considered the heart of God? I consider my heart. I consider what I want. I consider my desires. We consider all those things that we have need of. But let us pause a moment today and consider the heart of God. What does he want? What is his purpose in each one of our lives? And it's not the same. You know, we don't have to be what somebody else is. We just have to understand that God has a purpose and a desire for every one of us singularly. And he has a desire for, for something for each one of us. So do we see God? Do we see God in our trial? Do we see God in our tribulation? Do we see God in our waiting period? How many have been in waiting periods? We were talking about that this morning. You know, something goes wrong and you get tests. And you're waiting, waiting, waiting. Now we're waiting for Linda's tests. But do we see God in the waiting times? Do we see God in the difficult times? Do we see God in in the times when sometimes our heart is breaking or there's a loss in our life? Do we see God in those things? Because God is filling the whole earth with his glory. And he's caring about every situation and every crisis. You know, we're, we're kind of like... That we, we get caught up into things of this world and we forget about the power of God that we're connected to. His power is awesome, church. If we could just slow down a minute. Everything is fast. We eat fast food. We go fast here. We get tickets when we go fast. All sorts of things is speedy. But sometimes God just wants us to sit before his presence. Be quiet. Be still and know that I am God. Just just be quiet. You might be shocked at what he would say to you. You might be shocked that you would have a face-to-face confrontation with your God. And through Christ, we can do that because Christ has enabled us to have grace. He's enabled us to have mercy. He's enabled us with forgiveness. He's enabled us with all these things that we can allow God to be revealed to us. And church, I, I know that I'm talking to the choir today because I don't have any horrible people here. But I want to say to you that God, it doesn't matter who you are. God will speak to you. Sometimes when I open the bulletin and I see the prayer teams that are in the prison, and I just lay my hand there because I know that there can be at least one in that group that God is speaking to. But they're in prison, you know, and so we think about them and we wonder, are they going to take advantage of us? And all those negative things instead of just saying, God, increase your power to them because they're in a mission field and touch them. Because remember that some of those people that God has revealed themselves have been convicts. Paul was a convict. Paul was a murderer. He murdered God's people. And yet there was forgiveness for him. God will appear to anyone who has a heart that's open to hear. All through the Bible, especially the Old Testament, 
God continued to move through the people. And for instance, David. Everybody knows about David. He wrote the Psalms. He's a powerful character. But how many know David's sin? He did a horrible thing. And yet God says he's a man after my own heart. Well, not his sin is not after his own heart, but his love for God is after his own heart. What he did for God as a servant is why he was a friend of God. We can be a friend of God, church, but we have to stop and talk to him to be a friend to him. We can't just take our salvation for granted and show up for church on Sunday and think that that's it. We have to live the Christ-like life from day to day, and we have to deal with ourselves. This is a season to prepare ourselves to think of the suffering of Christ and to prepare ourselves for the things that God wants to change in us, where he wants us to grow spiritually. We can't be the same. We have to move from glory to glory. We have to move from place to place. We have to grow in God's grace. That's where the church is stymied today. It's still in one place instead of moving on. Well, we had Azusa Street. We had the latter rain. We had the charisma, charismatic movement. We had those things. But where, where is that today? You see, because those things passed, and then we have to search the heart of God to have a fresh awakening of his presence. We don't have to have Azusa Street. We just have to have a fresh awakening in our own spirit. When that happens, it'll flesh off onto others, and there'll be an awakening of the power of God. There's ever a day that Christianity needs an awakening. It's this day because God is needing us to intercede for the places that like what's going on in the world. We need to intercede for our government because they're going away from God instead of toward God. We need to intercede for the nations that are warring and the enemy is trying to bring conflict between Russia and China and all of these things. And we can listen to that until we get fearful. But listen, God is more powerful in the works of darkness. And if this is one nation under God, it is God's nation. And God's people need to rise up in the power and the glory and the vision of our God and see him as who he is. Oh, church, we need to be so mindful of God in this day that we will seek his holiness. We'll say, God, do you want me to do this? How can I be better for you? How can I grow in you? How can I fall in deeper love with you? Yesterday was fine, but let's be how much can I be more for you today than I was yesterday? Ezra chapter 10, verse 11. He says, now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers. And do his pleasure and separate yourselves. And then he goes on to tell them how to separate themselves. Well, Old Testament separation is different than New Testament separation because we have Christ to help us be sanctified, help us change, help us grow, help us be more holy than the Old Testament had. But I I read this in Ezra, and I thought how powerful that is. He says, let us make confession. This is a season to make confession. This is a season to prepare your hearts for the holy resurrection season of our God and to remember the pain that Christ went through that we could have salvation. So he says, now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God your Father and do his pleasure and separate yourselves, sanctify yourselves. How many know that God is looking for a people who will honor him 
in everything, that he can be first in our life. It's hard because there are so many responsibilities that take precedence in our life to keep God first and foremost in our heart. Christianity needs a fresh revelation of his holiness, a fresh revelation of holy, holy, holy. That reverberates throughout heaven. They are so mindful that he is holy that he, it just touches my spirit. And I want us to hear this message because he is a loving, almighty God. He was, he is, he always will be. When you look at the Old Testament, you can see who he was. When you look at the New Testament, you can say who he is. And one day, we're going to meet him face to face and know him as our almighty God face to face. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord to receive glory and honor and power. Look at this, for thou hast created all things. I know you know this, church. We quote this. But who? what is the all things? What is the all things? They're sitting beside you. Well, if there's somebody sitting beside you. Over here, you guys, you can look beside you. You know, he created all things. He created us. Humanity begins to think that they can do it on their own. But they cannot do it without God because he is the one who has created us and set us forth in this earth to worship him. In these 40-some appearances, God appears to people that are imperfect. He appears to people who have sinned and some grossly. But he appears to them and he changes their life. He can change our life today. He can make us better than we was yesterday because he has created us for his pleasure. Uh, Ezra said we are created for his pleasure. Revelation says he created all things for his pleasure. Now, here's an interesting thing that he appeared to a donkey. If he can appear to a donkey, church, he can appear to me. He can appear to you. You see, Balaam was a disobedient prophet. It's in Numbers 22 if you want to check this out. And Balaam was disobedient to God and set out to do his disobedient stuff. And the angel of the Lord stood in front of him. And the donkey saw him but did the prophet see him no i mean the prophet had a terrible time the 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 angel of god kept moving in front of him and the donkey kept going over here and finally the donkey smashed uh, balaam's foot against the wall and finally god began to speak to him and god and the donkey talked it's right there in the scripture see god will speak when there is obedience the donkey knew to stop, and the prophet needed a little help. God revealed himself to Isaac. God wrestled with Jacob. You can read this in Scripture. They wrestled and wrestled and wrestled, and God wrestled with him, and Jacob said, I won't let you go. And finally they decided to ask, who, who, what's your name? You know, God gave Jacob a new name, and... And in Jacob said, I have seen God face to face. Now listen, church, when you wrestle with God, you're going to limp away. 
because in the wrestling, uh, uh, Jacob's hip got hurt. But he, he, he persevered. Sometimes we go through hurtful things. Sometimes we go through trials and tribulations. And sometimes there's always a, something left to remind us. You know, we can ask God to forgive us, and we get over hurts, we get over disappointments, we move on, but somebody can come along and say one word to us, and boom, we're back there. But the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the power of God revealed in us will carry us through and carry us on and carry us beyond. God visited Joshua. In Judges 6.14, he visited Gideon. This is very interesting. In Judges 6.14, the Lord looked upon Gideon and he said, Go in thy sight and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. How would you like God to come to you and say, I'm going to send you into battle and go in the power of my might. Listen to what Gideon said. Gideon said, he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith, verse 15, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. Doesn't it sound like us? We make excuses, don't we? And he says, and I am the least in my father's house. I don't want to ask for hands, but have you ever felt the least in a crisis or in a situation or something? Have you ever just felt that big? He says, I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You know, God will give us power when we don't think we can ever have power with him. If we will just answer the call. If we will just take time to have a relationship with God. To befriend God. To look for God and to look for what's in God's heart and to obey him. You know, uh, Gideon did this. And when, when God said, surely I will be with thee, I think that must have been a powerful statement. When we go through a crisis and we could hear the voice of the Lord say, surely I will be with thee. Surely I will be with thee. We never go through our crisis alone. He is always with us. He's always right beside us. We wonder why don't he get us out of it. But he has purpose for our life. So, do we see God? You know, do we see Jesus? Do we see holiness and righteousness? Do we see good things? Do we see, do we see ourselves in Christianity as an obeyed, obedient individual loving God with all of our heart? Do we want to hear his voice? Do we want to see him? You know, do we want to glorify him? Do we want to come into a place of relationship and friendship with him? That's the question, church, because... For us to have a revelation of friendship, we have to spend time with him. If you don't spend time with your mate, things get ugly, right? You have to spend time with one another. You have to check up on your children sometimes, see where they're going and what they're into, and have a relationship with them. God wants a relationship with us. We're his children. We need to hear his voice today. Sunday school lesson was so perfect. It says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. I, I just couldn't even fathom it when I opened up the lesson, and there it was. 
because that's what God wants to do. That's what this season on the church calendar is, the Lenten season, the cleanup season, the season of Christ's suffering, and the season of resurrection. God wants to prepare us for that uh, expected end that he has for us in eternal life. God revealed himself to Elijah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and he revealed himself in the New Testament to Stephen. This is unique, church. It's in Acts, uh, first, second chapter, sixth chapter, somewhere. Read the whole Acts and you'll find it. (laughs) Stephen was being persecuted and martyred. And don't you think he thought, where are you, God? And And he was being stoned and he looked up to heaven and he said, I beheld the Lord sitting on the right hand of the Father. He saw him in his suffering. Sometimes, church, we will see him in our suffering if we will look for him. John the Revelator saw him, and Paul the murderer saw him. All these men were just like us. They were just ordinary people that loved God with all their heart and was obedient to God. And God saw them through the difficulties and the hardships and the mistakes and the failures, forgave them and raised them up to be a friend to him, to be one that he loved with all of his heart. God reveals himself today through Jesus to us and through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to see God, you can see him in his word. He's there. If you take in his word, you will see him. You will find him. If you will go out into the beautiful creation that he has given and sit quietly and meditate, you will see him. If you have a friend that loves God with all their heart and you visit with him, you will see him because he is glory is filling the whole earth. And I desire him today. You know, the Bible says that we need... I say, and I believe the Bible says, that we need to see him in all of his glory and his righteousness. We need to touch down with the holiness of God and the righteousness of God until we can behold him and understand that he is the power in our life. I pray that we can see him afresh in his word. I pray that we can see him afresh in creation. And I pray that we can see him afresh in one another. As we come together, that's why he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because he wanted to bring the body of Christ together that his glory could be revealed in us. So I thank God today for every one of you. And I I thank God that he wants to draw us closer, that no matter how far we stray, he still desires to draw us closer. We cannot we cannot out. We cannot stray out of bounds from him. He is always there. If we don't receive him, if we don't desire him, if we don't look for him, if we're not willing to hear his voice, then we will stray out of bounds and we will miss the purpose that God has for our life. So no matter where we are from the youth to the age, God has purpose for us. At every area of our life, God has purpose for us. And we need to see his holiness and his righteousness. Father, we thank you for the power of your word today. We thank you, Lord, that you love us 
in our frailties. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us examples to see that you will touch ordinary people with your glory. We ask, Lord, today that you would just minister your peace to everyone in the house. We give you thanks and glory for your creation, for the creative power that you put within your people. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.